Welcome back, darling. Kingston Town can't win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, from, from the card leave in the pool. Gate holders months ago. Go red and look at him go. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. Brother Bush, it is 15, lands clear. Nah, gee, is a good horse like Harry said. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me pinky, thread at the eye of the needle. Can he stay could be set up for something special. Cassidy had to pull the whip. It's coming again. Dex, Dex. He loves it. He wins. What an outstanding racehorse. Welcome to the Racing and Sports in the Office preview podcast as we look ahead at what looks to be a big weekend's racing blank, certainly internationally. Mm, and I would make a case one of the bigger weekends of racing. I mean, there's a few of these, isn't there? There is. Where there's sort of big international carnivals on the same weekend. But um, when you throw in sort of from Friday night, kick off at Mooney Valley with, with a Group 1 and then big day obviously in Sydney and, and then Dubai Saturday night, let's say. Um, and, of course, it's Albury Cup weekend. That's a that's a big weekend of racing. Time honoured. Time honoured. Now we'll kick off with who is the highest rated horse. Speaking of big weekends, so who is top dog this weekend? So the highest rated horse racing this weekend is Life is Good. So it is in Dubai and he's the um, the main attraction in the Dubai World Cup. Big American dirt monster, won the Pegasus at Gulfstream and, and won it really well and, and now has to to go to Dubai, which is fantastic that he's he's taking that challenge. It doesn't look to my eye, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a, an expert in American dirt form by, by any stretch, but I know a good horse when I see one and he's one of those. But I know he did get... Um, he did get things run to suit him a little bit, I think, when he when he thrashed up Nick's go. And I think I was looking at that form and just playing around with it, trying to raid it and such. And I think there'd be some query about how how much depth there really is to that. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on against a horse who's got um, not as good a winning profile. He had a race ripped off him, actually, a good race ripped off him. But Hod Rod Charlie has a – what he does have is a swag of good ratings and really reliable ratings. So um, I think he's a pretty good um, – Pretty good marker horse for for life is good. So you've got the the big exciting talent, and then the the one there who's just got really good form lines through a lot of good horses and through a lot of runs that look yeah really solid. As I said, so um I suspect that that's the race. I don't think it runs a lot deeper than that. Saeed runs real world on the dirt again. Come on, man. <laughs> that's the horse. I was saying that that wins the Cox Plate, and here's Saeed running it in the Dubai World Cup on dirt. He ran it on dirt in Saudi Arabia and he ran down the track. He was he won a handicap at Ascot at 50s because he'd run him on dirt in Dubai last year and he did nothing, so he had no form. And then he turned up back on grass in, in the UK and exploded and turned things around, you know, went on this big tear. And now we're going back to dirt. Boss wants a runner. He, yeah, yeah. But, and he's a really good horse on turf. Um. But there is some really good racing there on Saturday night on turf as well, so um, I won't bore you and, and drag it on too long. But the form's up at, at Racing and Sports, so plug. Plug. Do your form at Racing and Sports for that because we've got form from all over the world all, all clashing. So for international handicappers and racing nerds, it's um, it's a bit of a feast. So the Dubai Gold Cup is over two miles, and that can be a bit of a pointer to down here. So that's probably got – and it'll be on early as well, earlier – so you won't have fallen asleep by then. So that's Andy. So it's um, 
There's a Charlie horse there called Bonobo who's five from five and looked really good. He won by five and a half in Dubai kicking off this preparation. He won a couple of stakes races of the Chardonnay Group 2 um, for three-year-olds over in France at the back of last season and he, you know, he's winning those races well. But there's some interesting little form lines there. So you, you pour over a little bit of the Japanese form. Stay Foolish won two of his first four. Do you know him? I do. Yeah, and then had 25, run a 25 outs. Turned up in Saudi Arabia and absolutely smashed them to pieces. And he beat an Irish and Ledger winner in Sunny Boy Liston and a few other nice horses there. The Japanese are just invincible, aren't they, in these international meetings? So Minobo, he's five from five, but I reckon I can't get his last three runs better than 114, 112, 114, 113, I reckon. And what's the market got him now? fifty or something. Oh, you've yeah, dragged it up. Yeah, there it is. So what does that make him essentially ratings-wise if he's fifty in that? Like he's 120. Well, they're trying to – yeah, which he probably – I mean, he's five and five. He probably is. He, I mean, he's he's one head on his chest first up. So I, I get why he, people like him. Like it's very trendy. It's very easy to like, right? And Charlie's – Who doesn't like Charlie? Who doesn't like Charlie? What a trainer. But um, stay foolish – has a terrible winning record, so he, but he's, at least it's now he's a last start winner. Three from 30 now. So he was two from 29 in Japan. Turns up international group one, hammers them. <laughs> hammers an Irish St. Ledger winner. And a couple of other horses. There's a horse in there called Siskani who had who went to Dubai and hammered a horse called Kamari. Do you remember? Kamari was thrown up as a Melbourne Cup horse last year for Charlie. Never made it. Charlie didn't come down because of logistics. But Siskani had smashed him, and Minobo had only just beaten Kamari by a couple of pounds. Siskani beat Kamari by 14 pounds, and Stay Foolish beat Siskani by 8 pounds. Now, these things don't work like that. But you do a little, you know, you draw a few little lines through that. Um, there's just a lot, lot, lot more depth to what um, Stay Foolish has done winning in Saudi Arabia. And even running, you know competitively enough in, in Hong Kong in the Vars there and a few other runs that you know, there's a second to Love's Only You a fifth to Glory Vars you know these, these Japanese horses do that a bit they don't win but they continually run really really well um, yeah anyway I'm I'm rambling on and I said I wouldn't but um, we get that's an interesting bet for mine Rodrigo Diaz is somewhere in the market as well he's um, Newcastle owned he's Australian bloodstock so he's um He's probably coming down here at some point as well, but I'm yet to see anything that... I mean, he was in the Monobo race and thrashed, and he's part of the form behind Monobo that I'm questioning. So I don't think he's... um. looks like a Group 3 horse to me. We get the UK fans looking down at our racing when Zaki comes down as the superstar, but the Japanese must look everywhere laughing. Certainly in the last half a dozen years, their, um, their dominance of... I mean, the Hong Kong, they've turned into a bloodbath. Like, that's they put that on for them and them only just about now. Um, they've had plenty of success in Dubai. And then, obviously, the three turf races in... Um, I mean, they've even been winning some dirt races with the NAR horses. And you're, you're our chief NAR handicapper. Oh. You know what's going on there. Like, that's some pretty bonkers racing. and Bizarro. Yeah, I know. I know. And those horses, I mean, the, the NAR filly won the Breeders' Cup distaff. And then they're all running, you know, the... The punditry were all running around saying, you know, another superstar from Japan. I'm like, wow, she doesn't even race on the premier circuit in Japan. You're talking about it. She's not a superstar in Japan. They don't know who she is. She's come off of the provincials. Yeah, it's sort of like a horse from... It's even lower, actually. Like the NARs. There are some good races, though. There are some good races, but majority 
I've seen actually, I mentioned it to you during the week, if you come off the NARs winning on the, the JRA, which is, you don't often see it. But yeah, they're elite. But then you have the French looking down at the Japanese saying, you can't win our race. So can't win the arc. Can't win the arc. Oh, they will eventually. They have to. <laughs> they have to. <laughs> they have to. Um, yeah, anyway, we're, we're probably boring people and I don't want to ramble on, but um, I might tweet some thoughts out for people who actually want that. You'll find some bets, surely. Yeah, well, I, another Japanese horse, Schnellmeister, runs in the turf over 1800 against Lord North, who absolutely hammered up last year. And there's there's a couple of little angles like that across the card where, so Lord North has bigger peaks than Schnellmeister, but he's, I was handicapping away on him last night. He basically run, has run the same race every time he's gone to the races. And it's a really good race. But I think Lord North could jump him with his peak. So, but, I, yeah, that's an interesting race. There's a similar scenario there where Man of Promise has turned up in Dubai this year and, and goes to the sprint, and he's just gone bang-bang in Dubai this year. But I reckon Suweza hasn't got the reliability, but she's got this big peak that, that can leapfrog him. And that's, that's really interesting when it comes to, to betting how that works. The hard thing with Man of Promise is you're now going to take the shortest price in his hardest race. I hate that. I always hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's clearly a very good horse. I think the interesting thing is I would say if Ma- if Suweza runs her big peak, Man of Promise is more likely to run second than if Man of Promise wins. Suweza is not as likely to run second. Does that make sense? She's but, either going to turn up or she won't. Yeah. And that's I find that's a really interesting um, bit of betting philosophy because I think people – Hunters gravitate to, you know, you know that I hate the phrase box ticker. So punters gravitate to the horse who's going to run well, but it's a getting paid is a binary thing. They've got to win. They either win or they lose. It doesn't matter if they run second or tenth. And that's why when you muck around, you, you start to see these things when you muck around a little bit with um, the mighty Monte Carlo machine. We start to, so if you ran. Suweza and Man of Promise, their two best ratings head-to-head, they go 50-50 because Suweza's is a bit better, the peak, and her second one is way lower, but it doesn't matter if it's... The second one can be zero. It doesn't actually change the amount of races she wins. And then the interesting thing about that is when you throw Creative Force in there, who's the other horse hard in the market, if you like, Group 1 winner won the um, champion sprint over there. And these are sort of horses as well, by the way, and this will be early enough. You'll still be awake, I think. What's that, 12.30, something like that? 1.30. 1.30, you can stay up with that. These are the horses at Home Affairs and Artorias are going to have to race. So I suppose there is a little local connection there as well. Um, Home Affairs, I think, can beat them. Artorias would surprise me. But you never know. Um, Good on them. Anyway, what I was saying is when you throw Creative Force into that mix as well, she doesn't actually lose any more races. He just takes some of Man of Promise's wins. Because her peak is still there. So it doesn't matter. She can be If she runs a peak, peak she wins. Yeah, which is a really interesting... um, yeah, there's a bit of punting philosophy, but it might not be particularly interesting podcasting. So do you want to roll back to Rose Hill? There's also a great mile and a half race there in the Shima Classic, but that's um, I could get very long-winded about that. So we won't touch it. We could keep you going. Well, speaking of uh, great 2,500-metre races, we've got one of our own. Mm. It's not quite the Shima Classic. It's up there. So when I was flicking through this, I wondered, does Peter Moody still think that Australian trainers are wildly superior to their English counterparts. And if so, Spanish Mission's last four runs for Andrew Balling were 119, 120-120, And for Peter Gordon Moody, 105, 112, 113. What's he done to him? If he's, 
I thought we were better than them. I think, well, J-Mac went too fast last start. Nonsense. <laughs> if he went too fast, that means think it over outstayed him. Do you believe that? No. No, neither do I. That's absolute nonsense and people can't read a clock. <laughs> J-Mac, who is riding below his best, we think, Deserves credit for the ones he gets right. He absolutely he got that perfectly right on Spanish Mission. Just got day. beat. He just got beat. Juwais ran over the top of him and she won running away. Um, she was just better on the day. Will she be better again? Yes. I don't see she's a likely winner. She's favourite. I think she's entitled to be a touch shorter because Think It Over is not the same horse on a heavy track. I have a query on him staying the trip. You touched on Spanish Mission. He's got a peak in him, mm. but he had every possible... Andrew Balding's Spanish mission wins this. <laughs> the thing, you mentioned how well J-Mac rode him the way we do things. For me, those horses are Max Lay's next time out. I know he's going up in trip. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and I think you're right if it wasn't for the heavy track longer trip. Not that I think he necessarily wants heavy and he hasn't seen much of it. No. But it does turn it into a... a more of a stamina test rather than a speed test. He hasn't got top speed. He hasn't got a top speed to match these horses. He hasn't got the the speed is not there, no. but he can sustain it. So that's that's his trick, I suppose. If he goes to a mile and a half on a, on a heavy track, it's a much you know the emphasis flicks from speed to stamina, and that's his game. Mm. I'm I'm annoyed at myself because I didn't do my replays properly. Her run in the Chipping Norton was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'd only watched it this morning. I'd completely missed it at the time. She was 100 to 1, so obviously I just glossed it. But, yeah, well done to those that picked that up and got the money in the Australian Cup. This is similar now. You've got to obviously take a lot shorter than what you took last start. But, I mean, the guts of the race is from that Australian Cup. I can't see the winners coming away from that. If it does, those three have certainly not turned up. And I... You know, I don't see how they turn the tables on her because you can say she won't love the heavy, but her run in the Chipping Norton, which was a heavy 10, she should have beat him. Like she had to wait and then ease and then, yeah, she was just awesome there. So I think backmarker's always a bit iffy. You don't really want to launch into a horse that's going to be giving them all a start. Things can go wrong, blah, blah, blah. But I think she's a more likely winner than her current price. So this day last year was rail on fire, Rose Hill 6. They've done it. They've put it in the – oh, is it the 5? They've put it in there again. It's 5, yeah. Does that make you nervous? No, I never – I don't – you can't. I and can't then the do, other one was that – can't do anything about it. So. Rail on midweek day. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you can't do anything about it, so I try not to. Well, you, you can you can not back horses. They're going to be back and wide and looping. Well, no. <laughs> so there's something you can do about it. I mean, the thing is – if you think they're disadvantaged or if you care. I'm going to get a better price. Yeah. So I think it all evens out in the long run to me. Mm. That's what I think with wet tracks. I think wet, I'm never going to back a horse just because of its wet track record because that's not me. I'd try to back them off my angles, not wet, not counting wet wins. Mm. I think that's a dumb angle and I think it's too noisy and it doesn't, you know. So all you do with wet tracks is if your horse that you like doing the, the, the race the way you like to do it, um, has a bad wet track record, well, you just back it anyway and you get paid more if I, it wins. I think setup's more important than how they handle the track. They've got to be ready to handle the track. Yeah, maybe there's something in that, but I don't know how to um, 
who's ready. Hats off to Egg Cummings as well. Done a great job with her. Mm. We mentioned Hungry Heart this morning. So Dewey, since the um, 12 months ago, runs second to Hungry Heart in the Oaks. Good Oaks. Good Oaks. Both stayed well, I would say. Yeah. Both strong staying fillies. Hungry Heart has had one run beyond a mile since, and it was an end of prep throwaway run. Dewey has now run five times at 2,000 or above. And, of course, she's won three races and Hungry Heart's just marking time forever, like Unforgotten. We're just marking time forever. It's so frustrating. Uh, it's very strange. It's very strange because she obviously they, they obviously think, okay, she doesn't like the wet and maybe they're right about that. Um, I mean, there's, there's also countless other reasons why horses might underperform on a, on a given day and it's easy just to say, oh, it was the wet track, but you never, never know. I think you should just keep racing. But even if you think... It hasn't been wet in Melbourne, though. I know. And, and I think she's come back well, Hungry Heart. Yeah. Oh, she's going I think she's her 12 months since the Oaks has been fantastic all in the wrong races. Mm. She'll go she's to just Brisbane. been marking time, marking time, marking time. Maybe if she gets to Brisbane, they sound like, you know, what's the, the Q22? <laughs> and it's just wet up there. Oh, God, I hope it pours. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to have to to Actually, get a wet a bit, track at Eagle Farm. Now. They can't get a wet track at Eagle Farm. Oh, yeah. It gets very, no, they've fixed Eagle Farm. I hope oh, that's what I mean. As in, they can't because it drains so well. Oh, like it's really hard to. Wasn't get Wasn't the issue that it was too firm? Even when they were throwing mud, it was too firm. Van Dyke might be listening. <laughs> no, they've fixed it. They've fixed it, and there's a big carnival coming up. It's going to be great up there. Yeah, I'm all. I'm they've done a really good job, I think. Brisbane racing. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's a great carnival, and they they're promoting it the right way, and blah blah blah. It's good. Now on to our. Bizarro for this week. It's in the Tullock Stakes with Sword Point favourite, which for me, I don't get it. Like what, I, I get it. Tell me what you don't get. I've only sort of skimmed this, so you haven't. This is so you're you're up. It's funny because this would be one of. It's no Frank Packer, but you love <laughs> these are the races you love the second tiers. No, I do. Second tier stays are the. This is, this is your bread and butter. I think I understand it's a very lazy favourite, how I would describe this. So he's won well two back mm-hmm. and then he's had the bridging run at Canterbury. He's been beaten as favourite. It wasn't a suitable race. I'd still say it was pretty plain. And now he goes 2,000, J-Mac on, good draw, goes forward. It's, a, it's lazy to have him favourite. Because it's a box ticker. Oh, yuck. <laughs> but on form, I don't think he can be favourite. I must say, just flicking through this, I mean, there's nothing here that is of Tullock standard, is there? So you're looking for one to jump. Like there's not really a... There's nothing off the Ram of Guineas or something like that that's been racing at a Tullock winning level that the others have to get at. They're all maybe Murray's horses. Mm. I mean, that's my. I look at this and I see Murray Baker coming off New Zealand Derby with these things. And I'm like, oh, here we go. He's won it with Quick Thinker and John Snow and Harris Tweed. Nearly won it with Madison County. There's probably a couple I'm forgetting. I mean, Murray's. They're um, just so well set up for this. Off the Derby, oh, he's just back a, in trip. He's just a great trainer. Heavy track. The Derby this year, actually, over there is was quick ground. It was the second fastest Derby this century. So it's um. They're not mud flingers this year. And they've been running behind that La Creek filly as well who's um Is she coming now or not? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I think I mean she'd had a long, long go at it. So maybe they um maybe she'll run in those sort of the Hawks Bay Carnival wait for age races and come across and and we'll see her in the spring, perhaps. But she's she's gotta to come to Australia, that thing. She's she's really, really good. Um but she lost the derby. But I think, yeah, as I said, it was a fast derby and um both of Murray's look likely enough types for mm. this sort of race. I mean, Regal Line looks very patchy until you can sort of almost rule a line. It looks like there's a he had six starts to win his maiden, and none of them, none of them look particularly glorious. But then he has two months on the sidelines, comes back and goes on a derby prep and runs in the group races and runs pretty well at big odds in all of them. So maybe he's one that they're just getting right. A little Murray Project horse. Oof, that sounds like something I want to be part of. <laughs> I think character Hitotsu would win by 10. <laughs> so then his run in the derby actually looks pretty good for this. And yeah. Gelder this time in was a good win fresh. And then that far lap, I looked at it again this morning. Geez, it's a funky race. Yeah. But he ran well there regardless of it. He's I mean, re- it's probably as good a, as good a form as there is in this. Yeah, I think he's favourite in my opinion. Because it's a, I think the far lap will work out to be a good form race. Yeah. And I, would, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. So the four best last two hundred meter splits of the day were in the far lap. One, two, three, four. So a sort of a hidden run for Fangirl as well. She couldn't have done much more, really. And he was good. He gets out in trip. Like those horses that have had a good hard prep in the spring, like he got to the Derby, ran in the Geelong Classic, like James raced him. Practice. And then he's gelded him. The best thing about those horses that practice is they get better from learning how to race and they become unpopular because they have, you know, plain winning records. Well, two from 13. Yeah, yeah. Whereas they actually can race themselves straight. They can race themselves and, and turn themselves into better horses. So, Well, that's, that's where you've got that paternal who's in the market, only had three starts for Waller. Looks nice. but It's got it, some talent. It's got some talent. But, like, he's got a big jump to get to character. And they're given the same chance in the early market. Yeah. I know opportunity cost, so yeah. he's got more. But yeah, it is. So, I mean, there's an interesting balancing act, isn't there, between we want the horse with the seasoning, but then you also want the horse with the upside. <laughs> so, so yeah. I think, like, for me, especially when a horse gets gelded, you almost start again. So he's been gelded, he's won fresh, and then he's ran a new peak in a jig-jog race, but he was still good. It was a good close. And then now he goes third up, 2,000. This is an obvious progression for this stable. And this is the best thing with this stable. Like, James plans his stuff from day one. So this is when when he came back, this is when James would have anticipated him to run a peak. And he's already good enough to win looking at the ratings of all the other horses. He brings the best last start figure into the race with Maurice Dad running today. So if he improves again, which you would anticipate for this stable, well, he's a likely favourite and hard to beat. So I think it sets up. I'll be I'll be backing him today because I do think he starts favourite tomorrow. Yes. And on, on to the Dunno. On to the Dunno. More good. three-year-olds over 2,000. I'm saying good vinery. Yeah, it looks a normal vinery. Normal. I'm saying I'm saying normal vinery. I think I like it because you've got the three at the head of the market are all off different form. There are some, yeah. I will say it might not be a good vinery 
it might not be better than a normal vinery in terms of established ratings, but there's some. In, it might be a more interesting vinery. Oh, it's great! You could have you sit, you know, three people in a room, and I reckon all three could be declaring theirs. Like people will be very confident with Hinged. I get it. Mm-hmm. If you're forgiving of Fangirl in that file app when just was left with too much to do and was mathematically impossible for her to win that where she was. Mm-hmm. She gets to her grand final fourth up, Chris Waller. I think her carbine and even her light fingers runs, they they win it, I think. Yeah. And then you've got the you got the Queenslander, who's five from five and went awesome first up. Mm, she's been a um she's been a times times nerds horse as well. She's been running um You guys take all the good ones, don't you? Yeah, no, we own all these. You can't have them. I think you can keep Espiona. Yeah. I think we'll just wait well, where, so she's, Yeah, I don't know. I reckon dry. She needs a dry track. Yeah. So she, what, is she in the paddock or is she? Is she waiting for the Queen of the Turf just to see if she gets a dry oh, track? I would have sent her to Adelaide. So the opposite. Now Argenti is sprinting as well. Argenti is sprinting and, yeah, that's strange to me as well. I thought she was, they went too slow for her last time and she was, um, she was jumping it. She was huge late. I mean, she was, Mark Zara has been winning all, you know, been owning the Taylor Pendrith Award. And I mean, there was another candidate for it. She was finishing like a rocket and she just got left with too much to do. So I didn't think there was any, there's no reason there to think, oh, this isn't going to plan. The only reason it's not going to plan is she didn't get her head down at the right time. I would probably be... Um, it's interesting, first up... Australasian Oaks is also going to be about five, six lengths easier to win than the Sangster. I mean, the Australasian Oaks will be weak, right? Yeah. It'll be a listed race with a Group 1 tag, whereas the Sangster is going to be strong. The interesting thing with Argentia, first up, pre-race, it's, oh, she'll be better over further. She's had one more run, and now she's sprinting. Yeah. All because she lost. But I'm saying she's the best horse in it anyway. Well, she goes against the narrative, I guess, you're weaving of Frankel's needing ground. If she if she turns into a six yeah. furlong horse, yeah. I don't think she will. I don't know. I mean, the, the other thing is, like, it's not... Um, they're not some two-bit stable. Like, they know... They're pretty yeah. smart. That's why I was always like, everything... I'm looking at Artorias and I'm going, what are you guys doing? But then it's them, so I'm like... Nah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go fool you guys off your head, mm. but not those, publicly anyway. <laughs> but they, um, no, those two players seem off their head. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the sort of stable that's going to make me look stupid. It's not hard. Gypsy Goddess is, yeah. Is, oh, she's a very cool horse, and yeah. she's an awesome addition to this race. In fact, and there's a few like her, right? So pretty amazing. Way, way harder than Goulburn, but she did towel them. Oh, she caned them. She was good for another couple of lengths there. She was lengths better than them. I hope they don't fall into the trap of thinking we could round up um, We could round up those from last and maybe it's because she was last and that we need to be last because that would be a bad idea. She's racing better horses now and she can't be, you know, conceding, you know. If I'm saying she was good for a couple more lengths there, she can't... Um, which J-Mac Leave do we those links on the table this time. She's going to have to... Which J-Mac do we get? Morikawa or do we get Pendrith? <laughs> which J-Mac? The problem with her is she's going to go, you'd imagine, from that draw, 
Yeah, she's going to be. They're going to try and do what they did at Goulburn, but against way faster horses, and it's not going to work. Cause well, she's she's, she's going to settle behind the Queenslander, and I don't think she can run it down. Well, certainly, if she can, it's. It, I mean, it's going to be way harder. That's the looking at the map. They're probably going to land in similar spots. Fangirl and Gypsy Goddess, pretty amazing behind them, and you, then you've got Hinged on speed. So, no surprise, really. Hinged is favourite. It's a good thing. Sorry to cut you off there. I'm just looking at like pink ivory down the bottom. It's a good thing these bookmakers don't bet the anti-post markets on races I want because if they had an Adrian Knox market up six weeks ago, what is she doing here? She's the Adrian Knox filly. We all saw it. And she turns up here. Sorry, I cut you off there. As mentioned earlier, Adam's second tier. He's been eyeing that off for months. Oh, pink ivory has been the pre-post Adrian Knox favourite for six weeks for those of us who <laughs> keep a running market. And she turns up here and I assume she... Well, maybe she backs up. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I would. If yeah. she runs well, well why I wouldn't would, you? I mean, it's her race. It's been her race for three months. Anyway, sorry, what were we saying about Hinged? She's, so she's, she's very she's, solid. She's got the map advantage, but I don't think she's as talented as the other two. But she's going to get a fair start on them. Yeah. I mean, she's she's. Is that being harsh on Hinged? It's probably being harsh on her talent. I mean, she's run two rock solid ratings, and she has another one there behind Never Been Kissed, and she was a trendy times horse in Brisbane as well before she came down. Mm. So, um, maybe not quite to the level that Gypsy Goddess is, but she was still a trendy times horse. I should rephrase. I think Fangirl and Gypsy Goddess have a higher ceiling than what I think yeah, Hinged has. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Is there much between Hinged and Never Been Kissed? I mean, they raced. Never Been Kissed beat her. Hinged was finishing over the top of her. So I was saying off that, very similar talent-wise. And Never Been Kissed is coming off this race we think is going to be a good form race behind Mr. Mozart. And she's got to have some hope. And she's another – she's a map horse. She's a map horse. And she's one that, you know, when you listen to trainers, you try and pick up little things. They always anticipated that 2000 and beyond was going to be her. So I thought she was fine in that far lap, the way the race was run. Oh, I'm saying she was, she was only just off her best, if at all. Mm. So it's more than fine. She, I'd go as far as good. And <laughs> now, and now she's going to peak third up at a trip they've really been wanting for her. Which to me says that there's not much between her and Hinged. They're very similar. And I mean, there's a very obvious bit of form to confirm that. But even away from that form, I think if you look at them, the the numbers are similar. Yeah. It's just that Never Been Kissed has got a lot of out-of-market runs, which is interesting, I suppose. Mm. But she must have some sort of chance. No, that's that's an interesting race. And so Fangirl is listed here as the don't-know horse. And I think she's a pretty good don't-know. Because, yeah, I think her, her best... I think her best runs are the best runs in the race. But obviously she's been way below that in her last two without much chance. So that's it. I mean, it'd be easy to sit there and go, well, it's heavy track and maybe she doesn't want it heavy. But um, I think it's been more pace and positioning rather than, than anything much else. Looking at her splits, first up, best last eight, six, four and two when she won. Then in the surround... Second best last eight, six, four, and two. Star Tontes was the best closer in that. 
And then in the far lap, she, yeah, fourth best last 200 metres of the day. She's going really well. I don't think she, as you mentioned, where she's been positioned is what's hurt her. So she started, she's had a dollar seventy last time. Dollar sixty. Wow. All right. And I mean, that's interesting as well. I think that maybe that's the inter- that'd be the takeaway from the race. Wrap all this rambling up. Is that the market is probably pretty close, but the one that you could back and maybe you you don't need to know, but maybe the price is way wrong. Is Fangirl? Fangirl's the one where the price could be way wrong. It could be wrong both ways, of course. But there's a chance that you're getting five to one about a five to four shot. Yeah. Well, historically, Waller has run his best filly in the far lap last six years. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather tell Chris Waller what his best filly is than have Waller tell me. <laughs> he knows. He's got it right the last six I years. Know, I know more about his horses than Chris Waller. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think um, if you're a fan of Fangirl, I'd certainly wouldn't be jumping off tomorrow because I think her, this is where your replays can catch you out. You watch the file app, she looks I awful. You can't catch me out, pal. Yeah, you don't watch them. She looks awful in the file app, but do your sectionals, she's fine. So if you're forgiving, you're getting a much better price. That's my lean. I'll take on. I'm hoping Huey gets in front of Pike because that's where I think the race will be run and won.